Close the video for this part. Hello. How are we going? That's all right. Yeah. I don't know what happened to my music there. I must have launched it twice or something. That you was know weird. what? Hey, good morning. Welcome to uh, another morning of coffee drinking and talking about instructional design. Good morning, gang. We got a huge turnout this morning. That's great. All right. Cool. Yeah, very awesome. <laughs> Good. Well, nice to see everyone wow. here. <laughs> yes, it's we do awesome. have audio yeah. that's answering. Yeah, I'm getting a little echo, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing wrong here. You just like us that much, you want us twice, that's all. It's sounding fine over here, Brent. Yeah, I, I have no echo either. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting a lot of strangeness. So you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you guys just kind of chat amongst yourselves while I fix something real quick. <laughs> All right, then. So while Brent's fixing, hey, gang, we've got um, a special guest today. Sam Rogers is joining us. Um, Sam, tell us where you're joining us from and then give us like the, the two-minute bio, maybe. Uh, I am joining from the middle of Utah. People ask what I'm next to. The answer is nothing. It's the middle <laughs> of Utah. Um, and... Uh, bio is I'm from San Francisco Bay Area and the only reason that people ask me to talk about video ever is because I worked at YouTube for a while I helped develop the YouTube certified online training program the first one that was scaling their ILT to uh, you know 10,000 globally and it was a crazy project that I would not wish upon any of you but um, I learned a lot in doing that particular project that is writing um, directing all the pre-production uh, uh, bunch of managing the post-production, the actual production part with, you know, $100,000 studio and uh, our cameras and all that. So um, since then, I've done other video work, but that's that's the claim to fame in the e-learning realm for me. Wow. Um, yeah, not many of us have that uh, budget of a studio, that's for sure. That's, that's pretty cool. That was just the camera, actually. It, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, again, again, most of us, most of us are in this budget range. Yes, uh, I'm a big so. proponent of that budget range. I, I always tell people, nice. if if you can't do it on, or once you run out of options on your cell phone, then you can graduate to cameras. Right. But until then, like, there's in 2018, it's just not worth it. Don't do it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So we've got a, an official topic today talking about pre and post production for video. Um, we, Brent and I have had a couple of chats about video because Brent also has a video background and um, I don't have a strong video production background. So it's been an awesome learning experience for me moving from a guy who thinks firstly in words and then secondly is photography, uh, but into the video realm. So I've been making frantic notes as we've gone along and, and that sort of a thing. Um, and we've talked a bit about using the mobile camera as a way to capture. And then last episode, we were talking about some apps to do some editing and that sort of a thing. You know, just quick and dirty stuff that, uh, you know, some of Brent's favorite apps, uh, et cetera. So that's been a, we've had a really cool introduction easing into, you know, the idea of video. And I think a lot of people in the e-learning space are probably not dissimilar to me. I mean, not really anything formal in the way of, um, in the way of an actual video background, other than capturing the birthday party, you know, candles being blown out kind of a you know, level of thing. So um, so one of the things when we got this topic together, I thought of was, you know, 
what are what does pre and post production even mean? You know. Well, it's it's where all of the heavy lifting gets done, really. I mean, people think about the lights, camera, action part as the mm -hmm. the big part, um, but from the instructional design of things, it, you know, it's fine that you don't have much experience in, in all of the ways of cameras or, or whatever, like photography background is awesome if you have that, but even that you don't really need because the purpose that we're using video for in e-learning is a little different than like what it's usually used for if you go and take a cinematography class about oh, right. marketing with video or entertaining with video, like those are great skills to have if you have them. But we're doing something else. We're trying to actually fulfill a learning objective generally. So when we have that target, we really have all the, all the kind of stuff that we need to be able to do that well. Video is just a, a medium to be able to do that. But when you stay focused on your learning objective, which comes from the pre-production part, right? Uh, then you're good. And if something other than your learning objective is what people are getting out of it, then you did a bad job of the pre-production. Like regardless of the post-production rather, um, regardless of what you shot on the camera, like you're under no obligation to use that. And in fact, you shouldn't if it doesn't test well, if it doesn't help people pass their test well or whatever your, whatever your metric is that you're evaluating the success. Cool. Um, you've also brought some visual aids for us uh, to, to guide us through the conversation here today too, I think. I did. <clears throat> do we want to jump into that? Because we are always trying to be conscientious of time. Conscientious, yes. Um, hopefully this works for everyone. Yes. Yeah, we got it. Cool, so I, I have slides that'll go by like at least one a minute or we won't get through it all mm -hmm. very quickly. Um, but this is pretty much all I'm saying for for video in general, for e-learning specifically. You know, video exists to do something, just apply video to it, doesn't necessarily help anything. So this is the, the pre-production mindset of like, why are we making this in the first place? Before we're even talking about where we're gonna put cameras and how we're gonna light the scene and all that kind of good stuff, which is part of pre-production as well. How do we think about it? And um, I, uh, I'm a strong proponent of, of Steve Stockman's uh, approach. Maybe you talked about this already and, and not yet? No, okay. <laughs> no. So the video that you make has to be good or people won't watch it. Like all of the production part um, is really important. And the part that makes people watch it actually exists before you even break out the camera. It's what's the script that you're working with? What's the What's the point that you're making it for? Um, how is it that you get people from where they are now to where they need to be when this video is done? When you can drill down to that level, and this is for all e-learning, but when you can drill down to that level at the video, then you actually have something that you're, that you're accomplishing and you can measure against that. So when you're working within an organizational context of, um, you know, making any asset, specifically a video, um, what is the metric that that's going to be measured by? When you know that before you start scripting your video, before you start, again, breaking out the camera, no amount of editing that you put on the back end is going to make this happen 
if it wasn't something that you thought about already. So how does this, this project that you're working on, this video project, um, actually influence the organization? Um, once you know that, then stay on target, stay on target. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing that you're driving everything towards. And again, on the, on the post-production end, if there's anything other than that, that that stays in the video that you are presenting to learners, then um, you better have a very good reason for doing it. Why are we veering off target? You know, it's not that you never can, but you wanna, you wanna know that you're doing it and why you're doing it. Otherwise, the, you know, they will not be cheering for you at the end like when the Death Star goes up. <laughs> um, and people like to complain about you know time and money being constraints, but I look at them as things that really help, actually, mm -hmm. because when you have an insane timeline and and you have no money, you have to be really picky about what it is that you're going to put in front of that camera. Um, you can expand your timeline accidentally shooting stuff that you really shouldn't shoot or that's not quite what you wanted to say or maybe it didn't get that approval like before you put it on the camera. Um, you have to be really picky about what you're feeding to the camera and uh, what you're going to have to chip away from all that footage later. So I think of all the constraints as things that really are in your favor. Um, and basically like, what is that minimum effective dose? How is it that we're going to get just enough video for that learning objective to be met? And not more than that. You know, people ask about how long should videos be or whatever when I'm, when I'm designing it, when I'm writing it, when I'm crafting it down and editing it. It should be as long as it needs to be to fulfill that learning objective. And it should not probably be longer. Like if you have other tools things, devices that you're putting in like, oh, well, we want to have this little bit to maybe help engagement or something like that, like to make it to where people don't turn the video off. That's a very clear reason. That's a good reason to uh, to add something that's not just purely driving towards the learning objective. But you really want to focus on that minimum effective dose. It's the least amount that we could get away with here. What does the video actually say? What does it say to learners? Um, and I've, I've had a couple things uh, as I'm flashing through some of this in uh, slides about like type in the chat and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I've not given you guys any time to speak. Not just a straight oh, no. up presentation. Pause for we've me. got a yeah. Well, oh. so we've got a couple of uh, a couple of folks who have chimed in in the chat. Christy Bone is saying thank you, Sam. Pre-pro is everything. Not everything can be quote fixed in post. Right. Um, Dana Haynes has, has also tossed in a note, no time and no money are opportunities to showcase your best self. Happy face. Time to get extra creative, but only inside the most important one to three statements in the whole course. Yeah, speaking to the learning objective. Part of what you're saying, yeah, part of what you're saying reminds me of um, a bit of the, you know, the approach Kathy Moore takes uh, in terms of instructional design of, and, uh, you know, what is it that people need to do and providing just you know the information needed to do that, as opposed to all the things people might need. We might think people should know about something. So staying very focused, uh, you know, probably at a task level um, or an act, and that helps reduce, I think, the the quantity of stuff you have to make too. So, yep, 
Um, I'm a big fan of Kathy Morris, certainly a huge influence on me. Um, and even without uh, having read her books, like when I was back working on the YouTube project and stuff, like when you're, when you're moving fast and all of the targets are moving too, um, making things as targeted as possible means that you have a little bit of uh, extra bandwidth for the crazy that's coming your way that you didn't even hear about yet. So I'm always trying to, to make it as simple as possible to achieve what the objective is. And then we'll get to this in the post-production bit in, the, in just a couple minutes. Um, then you have some play in, in your schedule or in your budget or whatever. Then you can do stuff. Um, but please make sure that you're hitting that target first. And uh, yeah, I did lose visual there on Chris. Uh, yeah, I did too. It might be his bandwidth. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yeah, can you, guys, can you guys hear me still though? Yes. Am I on the audio track? Yeah, we can and hear you. We have visual. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, Dana has also uh, suggested when you're comfortable with a video, that's actually a super tool to save time. It's much faster than building animations whether it's for B-roll or a talking head. And boy, there's a couple of uh, video buzzwords, B-roll and talking head. Yeah, talking head, she doesn't mean uh, David Byrne. She means like what we're doing now, where it's just the heads talking. Uh, and, um, <laughs> exactly. I don't know, you, you're doing a lot of talking with your hands too, so, that, you know. And you <laughs> might find yourself in another part of the world. Um, yeah, I, I do talking with the hands thing too. I actually started as a puppeteer. Not many people know that. Um, so the, the hands like to do some talking. Um, and so that's, that's kind of an awkward thing when you, when you talk about puppets and then people start suddenly talking about puppets and it's kind of an awkward moment. So, um, if anything feels weird while you're writing your script and you read it out loud while you're crafting it down with the post-production stuff, um, Notice that and notice that other people are probably going to feel weird, too. Um, that's a clue that something's awkward and you should you should pay attention to that. And it probably shouldn't make it in your final project. I'll just say that, like we can talk about all of the all of the processes and devices and blah, blah, blah. But really, if you're making people feel weird, they're probably not going to watch or they're not going to get it. They're going to be distracted in some way. Um, so I'm a big proponent of always testing and testing and testing of, um, is this going to work? Does this actually help fulfill my learning objective? And there's ways to do that, you know, before you have even brought out the camera. So if you're going to have a talking head, if you're going to have somebody reading something, you know, on a teleprompter, whatever, um, the first time they read it shouldn't be when the camera's rolling and the red lights blinking, you know, like let, let's just test. Can they even say these words? Uh, if it's you doing it, you know, does it make sense when, where do I breathe in the middle of this thing for the voiceover, you know, uh, we're testing all of it while it's cheap, while it's easy to move before you've committed that maybe not so great element, before you put the stupid on the tape, basically. Uh, how is it that you're, that you're testing? Um, and then once you're producing edits on the on the other end once you've captured stuff either in your cell phone or whatever how are you testing that um so i'll just in in terms of time i'll just keep moving on with with this idea um so should it be a video 
is a really good question. Oh, this says poll A. I'm sorry about that. I didn't make the poll. But um, mm -hmm. if video does not play for 100% of your target audience, that is the people who need to get from where they are now to where they need to go, I would submit to you that a video is not the right medium. Don't do it. Um, people disagree with me on this from time to time. I still think I'm right. If it doesn't play for everybody, then there's a way that you can make that learning objective happen that works for everybody. Like it may be that the video is really cool, but if it only works for, you know, 60% of your audience or 80% of your audience or whatever, it doesn't work for 100% of them. So what are you doing? Your target is to get 100% of the people from where they are now to where they need to go. And if you can't do that, you probably haven't identified your audience very well. Um, you know, wonderful computers like this, they don't play video so well. Um, and yeah, it's, and I was just going to, I was just going to confirm by, by video playing, you mean literally like, can everybody actually watch the video? In other words, do they have a device or a screen or something that where video is accessible to them and it will actually run? That? Yeah. Or are they going to be listening to it in mute mode or are they on a factory floor where they can't hear the darn thing anyway? Okay. Or, you know, how is it that it's playing through the network? Are there are people getting their bandwidth through a straw in some remote office? then don't make a video for them because it's going to be difficult for them. You're making challenges for them. Um, until the video mm -hmm. is playing without pausing for everybody that you're aiming for, it's probably not the best time to make a video. Um, once that problem is solved, then hey, game on, go for video. Um, but don't just think that like video, again, back to that first slide, it's a strategy to do something. So what are you doing with it? Please make sure that that, that is happening. Um, before you've even committed to the video. And feedback is a great thing to get before you've shot anything on the video. Um, it's very tempting to ask people for feedback that uh, don't really matter and to, uh, to get thrown off course by feedback that's from nice people who are trying to help and to forget that uh, there are people who really need to approve this um, finding those people up front before you found where the camera is and where the lights go uh, makes all the difference in the world. So has legal approved it if they need to? Does marketing need to look at it? Does IT need to look at it? Whoever it is that the business sponsors. If you don't do that, you know, you have not yet earned the right to shoot anything um, because they will take it away from you. Or if you're asking people who are like your subject matter experts about all of the feedback of everything, that's... That's good, but your subject matter experts, like they're just gonna want more stuff in the video. That's what they're gonna say. They're gonna say, you left this out. I, I don't know your subject matter experts, but I, I'm just guessing here. They're gonna say you don't have enough in your video. So, um, so asking them for feedback, like you're the one that's filling that learning objective. You're the one that should know whether it's enough or not because you're testing this. Friends and family, coworkers, like they're not the people to ask. The learners are really the best people to ask. So keep testing, keep testing, and um, and testing the smallest, cheapest, simplest way throughout the process uh, is the best way to go. Uh, one thing that I do back to that bandwidth thing that um, just making sure that the video can actually play. I just have a 10 second video that I upload in every possible format and every possible place in the network when I start something with a new client, just to see that it plays for the target audience. Um, and this lets me know, hey, does video actually play for the person who's off in that remote branch? Your IT department probably won't know. 
but you can find out real quick. You just have them go and see if they can play a video. Done. And this allows you to calculate like what the net with network impacts are. If you need to have that conversation with IT, this is what the 10 second video does. Hey, what would, you know, 30 minutes worth of video broken up into six or seven chunks do? Oh, it's gonna be this much. Now you know that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, as far as like the pre-production for the camera part, the lights part, the, the audio part, um, I, I did not catch when you guys were talking about the, the uh, smartphone cinema stuff last time, but um, basically you wanna make sure that what you're shooting is clear and that people can understand it. That has more to do with the audio than anything else. Always test all that stuff. Make sure that the lights work and the camera works before you get someone in front of the camera to talk about anything, even if that's you. Like, make sure you test it, make sure you can hear the audio, make sure that it all works before you invite someone. You know, oh, hey, it's great that you're here. Hold on, let me just check this. Um, oh, this isn't working. Um, yeah, well, this app just updated. I'm sorry, it, it, uh, it wasn't this way yesterday, honest. Like, you really just need to test that stuff before you have people come in. And, and prepping people so that they know like what they're gonna wear and how that's gonna work and all that. Uh, this is, again, just stuff that very run of the mill. You can, you can test it, you can say, hey, why don't you just bring like an option or two? We're generally looking for something that's not distracting, not lots of busy patterns, you know, as in showing in this image, like you see that weird effect sometimes where the video degrades or whatever. Um, or really flashy jewelry or whatever, you know, people are gonna look at this later and go, oh my God, that is like, so 2018, I can't believe that she's wearing that. Like <laughs> something that's just non-distracting is, is always best to go for. And as you're, whoop, as you're um, listing stuff out, you know, all the stuff I tested last time, hey, here's the stupid thing that I did the time before, um, just keep a list and go through and just make it slightly less stupid than you did last time. Um, that's, that's my motto. You might like something that's maybe more positive and affirmative. For me, I'm just trying to wipe a little bit more stupid off every time I do the same thing. Um, and works for me, you know, did I, did I test? Oh, do I have the script? Wait, what was that learning objective again? I should have that like handy <laughs> and good to go. So when everything goes awry, I can, I can double check and just make sure that that's working. Go ahead. <laughs> Sam, we had a, we, we had a question uh, thrown in from, from Tanaya. Uh, why no glasses on your list of the clothing? Yeah, well, um, you can, you can have glasses. I'm wearing glasses right now, but if, uh, if it, it complicates my lighting scenario, if I'm looking like this the whole time, then it's not going to work so well, that's why. So if you can get away without glasses, then fine. In this particular situation, I've lit my scene with, um, with this thing that is pretty simple. I wouldn't wanna to present to you this way because I'm facing a wall and it's lighter behind me than in front of me. So I just have this little light that I'm placing here and this way, you're not seeing the reflection in the glasses. You get a little bit on my bald head, like stuff like that. But if you have people who are on a, a light like this one, this ring light back here or something like that, it's gonna make these big discs. It's just distracting. It's just a bad idea. So if you well, wanna make it easy on yourself. Without the, 
sometimes even without the glasses, those ring lights can can reflect off people's eyeballs and you can have the really nice glowing circle right in their eyes too. So yeah, it can be an effect. It can be a cool thing to do like a rap music video. You know, you'll see those effects or whatever, but um, it just makes it more challenging. So if you want to be able to do it easily, then, and someone can do it this way without glasses, you just make it easier on yourself. That's all. So it's not that glasses are always bad or that wearing black is always bad, but it can kind of mess with the white balance of the camera sometimes. Uh, wearing all white can do that too, you know, where you see it kind of like go in and out uh, of um, the brightness on the, on the screen, especially on mobile. So I'm just suggesting things that make it easier rather than harder. And then making sure whoever's on camera doing whatever they're doing actually cares about what they're doing. Because if they don't care about what they're doing, no one who watches the video is going to care. They're not going to care. They don't care because no one cared enough in the first place. Like, and this is the thing that you can't do in post-production. You can't amp it up no matter how many flashy sparkles you put in there or fancy transitions. If it's not very exciting, it's not going to be um, good. So don't, don't shoot video with, with stuff like that. Yeah, Dana mentioned earlier about um, subtitles. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Or is that, is that how to post-production work? Well, it, um, pre and post kind of loop together, which is why we're talking about it all at once. And I know that we are, uh, you know, talking about it in a very collided form here in, in brief amounts of time. When you know there's going to be subtitles at the end of your process, yes, adding of the subtitles is a post-production thing. But you want to know about it when you write your script. You want to know about it when you frame your shot. If I'm, if I'm here like this and I've got this words across the screen at the bottom, this is now not an easy place to put the subtitles for my frame. Um, I need to shoot the scene differently so that now I have a place to put them. Stuff like that. Um, when you put that, those post-production kinds of devices, such as subtitles, uh, in your design, in your pre-production, you just make everything way, way easier. It's like the glasses thing. It's like, you, you just make it easier. It's not that you can't, but I think designing your video these days so that whatever like Chrome is going around it, if you're going to have a logo up here or if there's going to be things that fly in here, like you need to leave space for that actually in your shot. Having subtitles is a great idea, especially for anything that's going to be doing um, play in any, any mobile context. Um, it's going more and more that way. Um, it always helps. And if you're talking search and discovery, being able to take those subtitles and upload it as a script mm -hmm. to the platform so that it can be indexed and it can be found mm -hmm. later. Yes, please, please do that, please. Um, and speaking of editing and uploading stuff, um, I'm, I'm not gonna talk about specific tools. I'll just show a couple. Uh, it kind of doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, so Adobe Clip is great because it integrates to the whole Adobe Premiere Studio. I mean, I, I often use YouTube's studio to edit and upload stuff, which you can do on a mobile device. Uh, if it's just simple trimming and, and, you know, putting some stuff together. The most important part about editing and uploading is the sequence. So if you're working with a large volume of content, this isn't just one video, but maybe a whole program, 
you need to know what you have. I shot all these different things, all these little clips, right? Or, uh, or maybe it's like a minute or two of someone talking or something like that. I need to know what all those things are and have a way of referring to them so that I can tell what they are. I've named them something that I can recognize. Then what I usually do, and this is a little different than, than you would hear from other folks, I always start with the audio because putting the audio together is what determines whether people will be able to understand the story. It's what controls the timing of how people perceive time. Um, no matter what's happening with the visual, people will kind of hang in there because we're used to seeing a bunch of like visual stuff that does weird things and like we can hang with that. <laughs> or dip, and then I'm talking like this and then I'm talking like this. Like, it just doesn't work. People won't stay in there. So I always craft the audio first and then go and make a rough cut from that. Um, and I'm testing my rough cut testing that with my target audience, couple people, whoever it is that like needs to approve it for sure, if it's legal, whatever, they're, they're getting something that um, is a testing mode version because if something doesn't work, I need to know now before I'm finalizing it, before I'm doing anything that makes it pretty and before I'm adding all of the, the whiz-bang effects and stuff at the end. You know, um, the, the subtitles that were mentioned, like that doesn't come in until much later I need to know that people are gonna hang in through the video. Um, the whole thing about planning all of this is that it's something that is flexible. So if I learn at the end of my, my post-production process that, oh, we have to translate this into a bunch of different languages and wow, those words just don't fit on the screen as good. How am I gonna line all this stuff up? Like, Stuff like that happens. Oh, this is so successful. Now we want to launch it over here in Canada and it's got to be in French too. Oh, okay. Well, uh, being able to roll with that, the more that you know about your content, the more that you've documented about that along the way, the better it is that you're going to be able to meet all of those needs that you didn't even know about. The important part about planning isn't that I've made this beautiful plan that sits here that See, look, I made a plan. Hey, nice plan you got there. Nice plan. It's the ing part. It's the planning that is a very dynamic process. That's what makes all of it work together. Anything you're putting in front of the learner that doesn't serve the learner is on you. doesn't matter what you shot. It matters what you gave them. Is it the thing that helps? Um, and uh, that's my little spiel. Um, and uh, that's that, and I'll get rid of the, uh, the video now, and we can go into the overtime. Yeah, yeah, we're never too strict about the exact 30-minute Oh, good. Um, Brett and, <laughs> and I both have a tendency to talk long, too, so, and it's hard to condense. On the other hand, we, we, we you know, anyway, we pick this sort of time frame. Uh, when, you're, when you're starting a project, how much of that info that you just shared with us do you share with like the client team or that you're working with. In other words, do you uh, spend time educating them on where these, you know, different, like, like you said, is it going to be translated? And we need to know that up front. Um, but I'm even thinking of how people may not understand that, you know, you want to do a test run of it first before things like subtitles or other effects even come in, making sure that they understand we're going to take it through, you know, these steps. I, I, 
I, I think there's so many of us who don't really know, you know, the steps in video production. I'm, is that something that you do actively work through ahead, you know, as part of the, the startup on a project with your yeah, clients? Yeah, there's, there's more than one way to approach it. I generally do not educate any more than I have to. Like that minimum mm -hmm. effective dose, whether that's educating clients or whatever, I just make something. Because once people see something, then they react to it differently than the idea that seems kind of conceptual and wait, where does that happen? And are, are we one minute in now? I can't tell. Like, just make something and make it, you know, yeah. cheap and simple and, and to get the point across. Um, just a, a, a prototype, which you can do on mobile so easily, um, even if you're going to have all sorts of effects or something like that. Uh, even if it's going to be an animation, if it's something that you can act out and that you can draw and you can just shoot that and say, well, here's kind of what I have in mind. Of course, it'll look way better once we have the animator do it or we're using Go Animate, whatever, like whatever the cheapest, simplest, easiest way to do that is to get the point across. That's the thing to do, because that is worth way more than trying to educate people who will generally feel right. like they're being educated. They will feel like they are following you or, you know, it, it's just, it's a weird dynamic. You don't need to go there. Just make something. It's not that hard. Before we go, okay. um, uh, the sort of the idea of the run and gun, you know, what if you've got to grab somebody really quick? Let's say there's a, let's say there's an executive in town and, yes. um, you know, you don't have time to do the pre-production, but he's flying out on the plane the next morning and, and somebody has said, yeah, we can give you an hour to sit down with him. What would you recommend are, of all of this stuff that we talk about that what we would like to do during pre-production, what are the two or three things that are probably, if you have to move fast, that you should be thinking about? I, I have some good war stories for another time about this very situation. I'm, I'm intimately familiar with it. Um, I have spent full days shooting stuff, uh, six hours of, of footage in the can to use something that turned out to be about six minutes. The less you know in advance, the more work you're displacing to after the fact. The less you do with your pre-production, the more work you have to do in your post-production and the more waste you may be creating. So if that, that person, you know, oh, we've got, here's five minutes, can you get something with that person? What you wanna get, is them speaking passionately about whatever they're speaking about that's going to actually make a difference to the end learner. What is it that's the behavior that we're trying to change? What, what is it that we want people to do as a result? Focus in on that. Don't do anything else. You don't have enough time to do anything else. You don't know enough about the situation to do anything else. Um, and if, um, if you have people like, oh, let's do it this way. Okay, let's do that. Can you say that again? They can't because they just said it one time, like trying to edit that stuff together after the fact will drive you batty. It's not worth it. Um, get something that's really good in a short amount of time and call it good. That, that might be just like 30 seconds of, well, here's our top salesperson and they're going to say why the sales technique is so important. Here's 30 seconds of them saying, well, here's how I became the top salesperson using this technique. All they're doing is introducing the technique that you're going to show in an animated video after. That is gold, that is so worth it. You should absolutely get that. But it's not the whole of your video. It's not, it's not the whole thing. It's just something to help support what your learning objective is, which is to get other salespeople to pay attention 
to this little video that's going to play that's an animated video or whatever. Cool. Hope that helps. I, I still am getting all sorts of weird echo on my audio end here, so I'm just trying to minimize the amount of talking I do. Uh, so sorry if that seemed exceptionally quiet. Okay. Well, it sounds a little weird, but uh, hey, Chris, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing awesome. Um, I mean, this has been so fascinating. Oh, there is one question, and I will, uh, because it's not in the chat, we'll, um, it, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with the question here. If you use a voiceover, do you prefer to get that recorded before you finalize the video to use in step two you gave, or do you wait until the end? Uh, wait until the end. So I will generally do a voiceover myself, whether I am the voiceover artist or not, that lays it down in a rough cut just for timing, okay. just for pacing. I'm, I'm going to record something and I'm, it's gonna have all this stuff in the, you know, the pops and the clicks and whatever. But I wanna, I wanna get that timing down and then I can adjust it a little bit based on the, the professional voiceover that will come after. But, um, but you wanna, as a voiceover artist, you know, oh, well, here's your voiceover, got it. Now watch how it's really done. Like, it's helpful to them as an asset to them because then they know how to pronounce things, where the phrasing goes, if there's technical terms, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so my answer is kind of both. Um, I'll do the thing that it's really quick for me to do um, just as a placeholder and then apply the professional polished thing after that and, and kind of, you know, oh, this, he said this, it took a little longer here. Let me, you know, adjust the margins on these couple things. And, um, and the B-roll thing that was mentioned before, um, that is the, the cutaway shot, the visual interest thing. Um, oftentimes with the speaker, I'll just get a shot of their hands talking or something like that, like without their mouth moving. You can always cut away to stuff like that to kind of fudge the timeline a little bit to make that voiceover work um, when you need to stretch or, or compact things. You can take that part and you know you can't see what my what my voice is saying right now, but I could use this anywhere, you know. Um, that's really helpful for being able to massage that timeline if you're laying in a different voiceover or you get feedback, oh, it has to be two minutes and 59 seconds. We actually can't go to three minutes for whatever reason or whatever. Um, that's, where you, that's where you cut stuff. Very cool. Uh, thanks for your answers, Christy Sang, for uh, on the voiceover. I'm a voice actor and former producer, so it's good to know how you handle post. It's I like getting rough cuts as well. So there you go. Thumbs up on, on your strategy. <laughs> it's there, Christy Sam. approved. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there we go. Nice. Cool. Well, we've probably maxed out uh, our overtime at this point. So uh, Sam, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been awesome. And I also get the sense that there's an awful lot more that uh, that uh, we'd love to pick your brain on uh, as time goes by. It, uh, you have obviously got tremendous experience even beyond uh, you know your YouTube starting days uh, <laughs> to, that the rest of us can, can pick up on. Yeah, so. I do have like 20 years experience now doing instructional design stuff and, <laughs> and all that. So yeah, there's, there's some of that too. Yeah, so, Someday we'll have a war stories episode, and, and everybody will share just war stories about things. <laughs> so hey, here we go. I got cool. Here we go with the outside outro music, guys. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us today. Um, and the questions and stuff in the chat have been absolutely fabulous, and we'll talk with you guys again next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us, Sam. Appreciate it.
Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Sam. Is there outro Is music? There or do you make some? Brent, we don't have the music. Can you hear it? Nope. No. We're dancing in our heads, but. <laughs> what was I don't that sound you happened. said about testing the everything? The audio is just crazy today, but I've, it's playing. Okay. All well, I don't, I don't remember your music, well, but. <laughs> and we'll go out on that. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later.